0: Hello, everyone. My name is Rick. Rick Van Bruggen from Neo Technology, and here we are again, recording another podcast uh, for our Graphistania podcast series. And tonight, I've got a lovely guest all the way from California, Mouse Reeve from the Internet Archive. Hi, Mouse. Hi there. Hey, hey! Thank you for coming oh. online and uh, doing this interview. We appreciate My it. My
1: pleasure.
0: We got introduced by the spider in the graph web. That is Michael Hunger. Um, Michael uh, told me a little bit about your projects, but maybe for our listeners, you would you mind introducing yourself uh, a little bit?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so my project is grimoire.org, which is a website that is built on a graph database that tries to uh, map out historical texts about how to do magic or grimoires um, and it looks at the way in which content and metadata is shared between different grimoires and you know where that shows up at different times in different places in history that's kind of the short version
0: well so help me um, and me and our listeners uh, you know explain a little bit more about uh, what a grimoire is you know what, what what, what should I think about uh, when, I, when, when I think about a grimoire? For sure.
1: So the definition of a grimoire, I think, technically is a book of magic or invocations. It's just a book that has practical how-to instructional information about how to do magic. And that can be kind of folk magic, like doing spells for healing. Or it can be ritual magic, summoning demons, communing with angels. Um, and I'm focusing on... Grimoires from the Christian tradition in Europe in kind of the early modern period, so mostly between probably the fifteenth century and the eighteenth century.
0: Wow, is that is that a big thing, uh, Mouse? Is this something that you know used to be like a something that everyone knew about uh, in, in medieval times, or uh, what, what, what was this uh, really?
1: I couldn't tell you how widely circulated the books were necessarily, but it was definitely really a part of people's worldview at the time that demons and angels were very real parts of people's concept of reality. And so the idea that you could summon a demon or that you could ask advice from an angel or that a prayer could be, you know, a prayer and a ritual was a way to deal with illness or farm productivity was a pretty like normal thing that was kind of part of life, I think, to a degree that's definitely not true today.
0: Well, and how does that relate to the wonderful world of graphs? Uh, you know, what, what, how do you, how how do you uh, use graphs in that in that domain?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I started using graphs because it's a data structure that really reflects in a very it really reflects the way that I think about anything that I'm thinking about <laughs> most things I think about, Um particularly in this case, I'm looking at the interconnectivity between these books, and so I'm looking at say the demon Lucifer or Asmode, and if they appear in multiple books. And so a graph really lends itself to connecting pieces of data, like in this case, two grimoires that are connected by another thing, which is like a demon or a spell that shows up in multiple grimoires. So a graph really lends itself to looking at the interconnectivity of historical data in these texts.
0: So so that's what you use on your grimoire.org website as well? You you, you, you spell yep. out those relationships between demons, between spells, and all those types of things? Yeah.
1: I have a kind of a nightmare Python script that tries to turn all of the relationships. <laughs> it like, makes a website for Node and tries to turn all those relationships into something that looks very human-readable. It's, um, it's, it's, a, like, it's a demon look,
0: Python script or something like that, no? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I did, that kind of sort of re- relates to you know why did you use use graphs? I mean, what I'm hearing here is that it's the model is really very much a graph, and that's why it's such a good fit for a graph mm-hmm. database, right? Is that is that yeah exactly? Okay, yeah, well, I
1: mean, no. I would imagine trying. I can kind of imagine if I had tried to use a relational database, the massive multiplicity of types of relationships and types of data would have just been, I would just be writing database migrations all day, every day.
0: (laughs) Uh, And now now you can just expand the model as you go along. Is that, is that
1: it? Right. Yeah, exactly. Like having, having, not having a strict schema means that I can just enter data and have it be really flexible and reflect the really nuanced and varied ways in which things relate to each other. And it's focused on relationships, which is what specifically I want to look at with these texts.
0: Was there anything like new or, or or interesting that you discovered, you know, because of you know doing dealing with this data in this way, or anything yeah, particular great. that you want to highlight? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think the biggest thing is finding finding relationships between texts that I didn't realize existed before, um, because a lot of the a lot of these texts are available online, and I try to link out to the full document. But, you know, you read them and you read a book or you read a PDF and it, you know, it's it just it seems very self-contained. But it's really illuminated the way in which the people who wrote these were communicating with other people in their time and with older texts. Um, so one of, the, one of the specific thing that I thought was really cool that, um, that I found through this is looking at um, the sigil of Lucifer. Which is pretty iconic. Like sometimes I see people with tattoos on on the street, um, and it's usually attributed to this one to one Grimoire Grimoireum Verum that has a version of it that's very clearly the one that the Church of Satan adopted in the you know in, within the last fifty years. But I was able to find versions of it that go back to the fifteen hundreds by looking at connections between the content of these books, and so it was really cool to find. Take a book that's relatively well-known and pretty famous, like Grimorium Verum, it shows up in um, like, the Hellblazer comics, for example, and see that it actually is rooted in much earlier texts. And then you can trace it back to the Key of Solomon, which is often looked at as unrelated, but has actually roots in the same texts from hundreds of years earlier.
0: Oh my God, that is super interesting. It almost, it's almost like, you know, biblical studies. It sounds a little bit like that to yeah. me. I mean, the
1: Bible is noted note in my database. <laughs> is it? Oh, no, oh yeah, oh. And I have biblical quotes. Um, most demons aren't mentioned by name in the Bible. Uh-huh. Um, the, the Bible mentions Lucifer and Leviathan. Um, but demonology really is mostly non canonical uh-huh. it's mostly stuff that was developed a lot later in history yeah, yeah, yeah. but there are but there definitely are connections to the bible and it's you know i'm looking at christian books so it's important to look at like the fundamental script of christianity
0: totally get it wow that's super interesting i mean there's so many so many actually really interesting projects around these text analysis uh, mm-hmm. uh that involve graphs right i mean even things like the Panama Papers or, or stuff like that—it's yeah. it's kind of related to it, right? It, um, because it, it, it involves analyzing texts and finding links between texts. At the end of the day, um, yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. So, wh- wh- what does the future hold for this project and, and maybe for your work in general? Uh, Maus, you know, wh- wh- where is this going?
1: Mostly, I'm I'm really excited about new translations coming out of old grimoires, and so a lot of what's what's on the forefront is me just doing a whole lot more research and fleshing out the data and adding a lot of excerpts and images, I've started adding images to my website finally. Um, so that's mostly, I'm also really excited about um, Neo4j 3 because I use Python and I've heard some cool things about how to work with Python with Neo4j, so I'm look, starting to look into that, but mostly just, I'm gonna read more books and add more data.
0: Excellent, excellent. And and how do you look at you know the industry around us? You know, like uh, you work at the Internet Archive, so you must have you know a perspective on uh, on 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 what the industry is going to be doing with uh, with this type of technology, or or do you? Um,
1: none of the work that I do at the Internet Archive is particularly graph related. Okay. Um, so I don't know that I could speak to it in that capacity. No,
0: no, I understand. No, no, no. But, you know, just as a software engineer or, or, or a technical person. Yeah, I mean,
1: I know, think it's yeah. a really interesting technology. And, like, I've only used it in side projects. I've used it in a few different ways. But it's, mm-hmm. it really lends itself to looking at a certain kind of data. And I think that's really promising.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with me about this. I I know what I'm (laughs) going to do right after this call. I'm going to be exploring some of these demons (laughs) and spells um, just as a bedtime story. Um, But but thank you so much for coming online. And uh, it was really, really cool uh, to learn about this stuff. And I'm sure our listeners will uh, think the same. Great.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Marissa. And I'll hope to meet you someday. For sure. Cheers.